0: Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you move your mouth, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that
1: I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, I own the bluff.
0: Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now here are your hosts Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Good morning. It's Friday but
2: Sunday's coming.
0: Well,
1: you know, that's a Friday. Yes it is. Friday, yet Sunday's coming. I have to tell you the story about that. I have a Tony Campello. I was uh, in a meeting years ago and he he did that that whole talk from he said he he's you know he was an urban pastor in Philadelphia, right. Tony Campello. And he did this uh, talk based on what one of uh, one of his pastors, an African American pastor, had had preached. And the title of his sermon was "It's Friday." Sunday coming. coming. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it was, and I mean, and it was amazing how he just tied it into so many things. And yet, uh, I, I think it is for us. It is Good Friday, and it is, uh, it is a time that we. You know, uh, look at uh, history and look at, uh, for, for you and I, the, the way you and me, the way we think about things. Uh, it's the crucifixion today is. Uh, that uh, we, we celebrate. Uh, it is important but Sunday's coming
2: Sunday's coming and we talked about relatively important right? absolutely
1: <laughs> absolutely so I, I just love the way you would say it it's Friday but Sunday's coming so I liked it so it was good and I just thought about that today and so we have a good program today we
2: do we want to wish everyone a happy Easter but we're going to have Rusty uh, Leonard on the show Rusty's stu- is a great resource
1: uh, stewardship partners and uh, you know he is a uh, like-minded person and so smart and as you said in the preparation this morning has that global view because we really both does. know that's right. where he came from. His mindset is that global view. He's going to talk a little bit about Ukraine. He's going to talk about Russia, uh, which I think is important. But uh, he's also just going to give us some tremendous insight to what he's seeing. You know, the whole idea behind every doomsayer. That's one of our questions today. Yesterday, we got an email. Anybody can email us to talk money at Shoemaker Financial, and all they got to do is just. Write out their question for us. We'll get it to them. And we have a couple of today. But uh, one that came out yesterday was that uh, they had heard that several people had said to them, and they were concerned uh, that they felt like that there was so much noise about the market crash coming, or the coming market crash. Um, So we're going to address that. And Rusty's going to help us with that and get some insight to his thoughts. And then you and I have got some insights and, and, and preparation and all those things. So... Is the market crash coming? That's a thought process?
2: Well, we, we know for a fact that it is. We just have no idea when. When? And, <laughs> and how big? And, and how big. The history of the markets. Again, yeah. you know, we've talked about uh, over the last 50 years, this is the fifth longest stretch we've gone without a 10% correction.
1: Well, you know, you think about it. We've been in a bull market. We have a been. A bull market and literally for 62 months, if you think about it. We're now into the 62nd month, and the average bull market since 1950 has run at least uh, – it's lasted about 58 months. That's the average. Right. So we're over the average. And I uh, remember an average says there's always been others that are over that just it's in the middle. And, uh so, but this is a we're stretching it out there. We're moving it out there. So somebody's pre- predicting a correction. Again, a correction is a lot different than an economic world crisis crash.
2: Definitely, a correction is a normal, healthy thing for the markets. Ultimately, and it's I a little bit of short-term pain, but it's it's ultimately it, but healthy.
1: But it's gonna, you know. But it, we'll talk a little bit. About Rusty will help us understand that more. Uh, The markets are closed today. They are
2: closed today. And Uh, I saw another really interesting number. You know, we talk an awful lot about diversification, about not having all your eggs in one basket. Uh, Do you know that for the 10 years ending uh, on uh, February 28th in 2009, the 10 years before that, the S&P 500, which has done so great recently, and that's what we remember, had lost 3.4% a year for those 10 years up to 2009. Since then, it has gained 1.73% per month.
1: Per month, per month,
2: average average since two thousand and nine. So you had to, I'm that trying to calculate what
1: that is. You know, let's see, be a bunch. Uh, give me hundred and eighty four percent. Do that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. One
2: hundred and eighty four percent cumulative return. So if you had gotten out of U.S. stocks when they weren't doing as well, uh, and then you've missed out on this run, this is why you want to be diversified. Why you want to own some U.S. You want to own some international.
1: Why you want to. Uh, Seek out wise counsel. Seek
2: out wise counsel. That's and, exactly right. Uh, and
1: find out and to keep your emotions out of it. We'll conclude. we we'll always talk about that at the end of the program. There are seven deadly sins that we talk a lot about. And that that's you, one of them, chasing the winners. Yeah, ch- chasing what the, following the herd. That's chasing right. Getting yep. your emotions involved. All right. Well, I know we've got a great program lined up. We need to get all the stuff that you've got to get out of the way. But I'm looking forward to talking to Rusty Leonard and uh, really get some insight of what he thinks the economy is going to do.
2: I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9. Of course, you can always listen to us in one of three ways, either on the radio at AM 990, go online, search for our homepage, kwam990.com, just click on Watch and Listen Live and listen to us on the Internet, or go to the App Store, search for our free mobile app, kwam990, download that and listen to us on your mobile device. We're going to take a quick break, check out what's going around town with traffic and weather, and we will be right back with Rusty Leonard, the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker.
1: And we have Rusty Leonard on the phone. And, Rusty, we thank you for taking a day out of your busy schedule. But it's Good Friday, and we just started the program with, you know, hey, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Do you remember Tony Campolo and his? Uh, that was his uh, great uh, sermon, I guess, that he copied from a, a black pastor friend of his, and I remember that sermon so well. And uh, that is what it is. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Welcome to the program, Rusty.
0: Well, thank you. Glad to be with you. And uh, yeah, I come from uh, the area. I, I live in the area that Tony uh, is in as well, and I've had. Opportunity to hear him personally over time, over, over the time, time
1: so right, great. and uh, just a great, uh, great memory for me.
2: And Rusty, I know you just celebrated an anniversary, so wanted to congratulate you on that thirty years, I believe.
1: That's right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. You know, he's still a young guy.
2: That's right. He's still
1: a young guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for that fifty or sixty, my uh, my in laws made it to their sixtieth anniversary, so we got to double up yet. There you go. There you that.
1: go. Well, I'm working on forty two and. I hope Miss Lynn is listening, and she knows I'm working on it. So well, mean, I'm desperately <laughs> trying to get me because I can't. <laughs> I hear you. All right, guys. Well, it's uh, it is a uh, Friday. The market's closed, but there's a ton going on. And uh, Rusty, really, the the market has done some kind of a bit of a sell off for the last couple of days. And uh, you know, it we've had some some downturns. I mean, you know, 100 points, 200 points, more so, volatility than we saw last volatility year. Than seems we like. saw last year. So. I guess, Rusty, what we've got is, the question to you is, what's caused that, and did it seem like it's, uh, is it bad news that we're hearing, or is it just uh, normal trading?
0: I think it's more falls in the the range of normal trading. Uh, There really hasn't been any horrible uh, economic news. Uh, certainly bad things going on all over the world all the time, but whether they impact corporate earnings and and valuations is is another thing. So, for instance, uh, what's going on in the Ukraine is disturbing and not, not anything we want to see happening, but it's not anything that's going to impact uh, the markets in a direct fashion. At least in terms of, uh, there's not a lot of corporations that are making a lot of money in the Ukraine that are going to suffer losses as a result of what's happened there. So those those kinds of things are they make headlines, but they don't necessarily affect the markets. What it really is, has been more than anything else, it's just been that certain sectors of the market got overvalued uh, as a result of the kind of nonstop move higher uh, last year and, and earlier this year, and so those they got out of hand. That just needed to correct, and uh, they correct it corrected normally. And that actually, it seems like the market is already bouncing from uh, from the sell offs uh, that we saw late last week.
1: Let me ask you this question for our listeners. I, I really feel like you just said something that I think Keith and I take for granted. As you said it, the, the normal sell off, but but you made a comment, and I and I want our listeners to get this because I think it's so valuable, especially the way we know that you can you explain it so well, Rusty. You were talking about that it got overvalued. And so, therefore, it's sold off, and now you buy it again. Explain that, you know, because if it's overvalued, why would I want to now wait till it, I mean, why would it go through this cycle? What's actually happening for our listeners, the thought process when that happens.
2: And you might even, Rusty, start with just explaining exactly what you mean when you say overvalued. Overvalued,
1: because, I mean, again, those are so fundamental, but yet I know for the average listener, that's a struggle. What does it mean? Things get overvalued. It's got to get, you know, you got to go get through this correction and then you buy it again. So explain that for us.
0: Yeah, what has happened is because there's been so much uh, upside in the market, uh, that attracts you know, the, it gets the emotions going, it gets the, the blood flowing in a lot of <laughs> investors, and probably what I should say is speculators, uh, short term oriented investors. And so they start over-committing. And they start, uh, they say, gosh, well, I, I made, you know, I made X percent yesterday. And if I put twice as much money in today, I might make twice as much money. And then, you know, that goes on and on and on. And it pushes stocks up to, to levels that, uh, At some point, people who are more longer-term oriented and say, gosh, these people are pushing these stock prices to high levels. I think I'm going to bail out right now because this is kind of silly. And that didn't really happen for the whole market. It really just happened for segments of the market. So, for for instance, the biotech stocks kind of went on this uh, straight-up run. And there were companies like Tesla, the new uh, auto company that that makes electric cars that are really fancy and nice. Uh, that stock had gone crazy, and several others, uh, a couple other sectors as well, had been the focus of attention: you know, cloud-oriented stocks and uh, some things like that. And they had all gotten crazy. There had been a focus of attention on those those areas, and uh, they gotten over overpriced and looked kind of bubbly. And so there was, a, there was a need for some profit-taking to occur. All of a sudden, uh, people who were on the other side, you know, not the buying side, but the selling side of the equation, particularly insiders, uh, started selling some of those stocks and uh, doing new uh, IPOs and, and secondary offerings of stock, which prov- increased the supply of stock and, therefore, pushed the share prices down. Again, all very natural uh, phenomenons. These things happen all the time in the markets. It's just the nature of the beast but uh it affected those sectors pretty badly. Uh, some of those biotech stocks were off twenty percent and the big right. big tech stocks were also involved in that. they were off fifteen or twenty percent. But the average stock was probably only off three or four, maybe five percent because they weren't
2: certified. And I think that's a great point in saying it's the nature of the beast and I think that's what sometimes people don't realize when they see these these sell-offs or temporary sell-offs in the market and they think there's something intrinsically wrong with those companies. Uh, and it's not. It's just a function of the normal way the market uh, you know comes to a fair value.
1: The market breathes and it does that. Rusty, we've been one of the questions that we get, and we got this recently. And anybody listening can always ask a question on the program. Just simply go to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial dot com. at ShoemakerFinancial Type in your question. We'll get it. We'll take care of it. We'll do our best to get it on the air today. If not, we will get it later. But we got a question, and, and and it's amazing. It's a question that I think everybody's asking as a result of last year, as a result of a little bit of this normality that's going on, the more volatility. We hear a lot of people, the experts, and I'm thinking of one right now. <laughs> That, that one of our guys in the office spends a lot of time with, way too much time with. I'm <laughs> not going to give, know, got to, go to give any questions, <laughs> but I got a dent in my car the other day. <laughs> That's, uh, but but uh, a lot of experts that are warning in this imminent disaster. I mean, we're going to have a crisis. In fact, we introduced it kind of in the earlier part of the program. This crisis, not just a correction, but I'm talking about the word is great. Imminent disaster about the markets. We've heard that for the last several years. And it's got pretty much saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen this year. It, it seems like it's pretty foolish. But again, is it coming? I mean, what do you think? I mean, is it never seems to go away. But everybody's talking about it. So is there a chance they're right?
0: Uh, there's always a chance they're, they're right. I've always said that, you know, the Lord at any moment can, you know, pull the rug out from under the market if he chooses to do so. And, uh, <laughs> he is, in charge. After, right? <laughs> he right. is in, in charge. right. He's in charge. So anything can happen and you have to, you know, and there's certainly, uh, you know, good reasons why you may want to pull that rug. Absolutely. Because we all know. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, so, but the fact of the matter is, these predictors of doom and gloom have been wrong. Uh, the, the economy is getting better, and they never point to those statistics. It's uh, quite amazing. Uh, you know, they, they point to the fact that the, the economic recovery has been slow, which it has been, but it's still recovering, and it's been recovering for quite some time. Uh, and things are moving in the right direction, not in the wrong direction. One of the things that you don't hear about much at all from the doomsayers is that the budget deficit has you know, really come from over 10% of GDP down to what is predicted to be less than 3% of GDP, which is kind of a normal budget deficit and certainly nothing scarier uh, you know, leading to impending doom. Uh, so you, you've seen uh, the markets go you know, up a whole lot since the crash. Uh, and all during that period of time, you've had these guys screaming and wailing and gnashing their teeth about imminent disaster, and yet it's not, not happening. And frankly, in the U.S. right now, uh, it looks pretty strong. If, if I was to see imminent disaster, I'd see it more more likely in uh, you know China or Japan or even Europe than I would the U.S. at
2: this stage. And, Rusty, one of the other things that we look at, you know, some of the numbers we see, we always talk about the consumers as, you know, driving 70% of GDP. Uh, but we were looking at, uh, you know, some numbers that came out from J.P. Morgan and their guide to the markets, and we were talking about the consumer balance sheets uh, and the fact that we've improved so much from the, you know, even from the peak in 07 when we were basically $83 trillion to almost $94 trillion now. Isn't that another part of the really good uh, story for the U.S.?
0: Yes, and underreported as usual, right? I mean, the, the doomsayers never talk about never that. Never talk but, about uh, that, right. by virtue of uh, banks writing off bad loans, uh, consumers, you know, calming themselves down a little bit. That's one of the reasons why the growth has been so slow. Is they said, well, maybe we ought not to spend so much and try to save a little. So uh, all those things have combined with a couple of things going in, in their favor, and all of a sudden, the debt payments as a percent of uh, disposable personal income have dropped dramatically. And that sets up the consumer for, you know, better buying in years ahead. So, again, it's something that is uh, provides some kind of um, stability to this, the current situation rather than imminent disaster. And so so I think, uh, you know, the, the warnings and the disaster commercials and the gold and, you know, the, the central banks pumping out money commercials, all that kind of stuff, uh, I think, you know, those things are – there's there's reason to be concerned about some of those things, but per- perhaps not as uh, overly concerned as they try to – Get you going on those commercials. Well, so I would just—I'd advise the average person just to you know chill out and recognize that there's really a lot of good news happening as well as some of the bad news that they see you know over the airways consistently.
1: Well, I think that's probably one of the best things you could say is just uh, chill out. Chill I, I like, out. Right? I like the idea yeah. of chilling out. You know, one of the things—and we're going to take a break here—but one of the things that you've you've mentioned earlier, a book called Flash Boys. I've got the book. I have to admit that it's sitting on my desk. It's been there about a week and a half. It is on my reading list, but I want to ask you about it because I know there's a couple of things. So when we come back, let's talk about Flash Boys. And uh, Keith, I mean, uh, as always, he does a great job.
2: does it. a great job. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're speaking with Rusty Leonard, who is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. We're going to take a break to go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood File, but stick around. We'll be right back with Rusty to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the economy and what's going on with the Ukraine and Russia. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results.
1: It's Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> but Sunday's coming. You know, I just love that. <laughs> That's I mean, a great line. I it really is, like it that. It is. It is. Uh, you know, it speaks volumes when you think about it. I mean, You know, uh, if you really put that into perspective that we're celebrating Good Friday, we're celebrating the the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, bottom line is, that changed the world. Changed the world. Changed my life, changed your life, life. changed Rusty's (laughs) life, and I think we just kind of take it for granted that it goes through Easter. I mean, I can remember as a kid, Easter was dressed up and going to church and things like that. And Today, it's a lot of things. We still do that. We still dress up and go to church, and there's so much celebration going on. It's just a great time of the year. It is. It's springtime, but it really celebrates. Uh, great the time pivotal. for families. That's right. Absolutely. It's, it's it's so pivotal to 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 you and me and to Rusty and to others I know, to our to our Christianity, to our thought process. Uh, it's just uh, a great time. It's just great. And it's good to have Rusty with us. It today. is. Rusty, I, I really uh, I know you believe exactly the way we're talking right now, so uh, what is your family going to do for Easter?
0: Well, of course, there's always family events. We have uh, both sides of the family that we're going to try to uh, inter- interact with in one form or another, and uh, my daughter is coming home. She works for a Christian ministry in inner city, D.C., and she's coming back for Easter as well, so we're just going to have a lot of family time.
1: A lot of family time. That's what it really is it's all about, a lot of family time. That's uh, That's a great thing there. Uh, There is a new book out, and it's called Flash Boys, and uh, it's uh, got a red cover, and uh, the author is Michael Lewis, and it is kind of hot on the market right now, and it claims that the markets are rigged by the frequent traders. Now, I guess, Rusty, I know you've read the book, so what's your take on it? Uh, What do you think, and uh, are you concerned about the, the actual accuracy of it? Are you concerned about this?
0: Yeah, I you know it's overstated like a lot of things, and you know the guy's intention is to sell books. He's a great author, and he's, <laughs> right. and he's raising a very legitimate uh, point. So if you buy the book, you'll very, very much enjoy it because he just he's just a great writer. And um, but at the same time, uh, and the markets are rigged. I would agree with that to a certain degree, and that's always been the case. I think probably everybody's known that to some degree that to to one degree or another, uh, the guys on <laughs> the guys on Wall Street, you know, they tend to. Uh, they tend to have some uh, inside knowledge on, on matters. Uh, there was a great line from Warren Buffett. He said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride ride to in a Rolls, Roy- in a Rolls Royce in order to get advice, to give advice to those who take the subway, right? So, uh, you know, <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, uh, good. There's, there, there's, a of, there's a degree of reading in yeah. it, but it's all short-term in nature. So Wall Street is made of a bunch of guys who are traders, and they're trying to make money in the next 15 minutes. And they, they so to that degree, uh, if that you know, maybe even less. And these hot, these flash boys, these high frequency traders, is what they're what they're uh, called technically. That means they're trying to make money in less than a second, milliseconds. And so they use computing power to do that uh, in order to achieve this. You know, making these this money. And so they are taking money from us, but what it amounts to is pennies. Uh, you know, for each individual. And so they make, basically make a penny a trade on you know tens of thousands, if not millions of trades and therefore make, make money. So no one individual necessarily feels that too harshly, but uh, when that, when you add it all up, the uh, hedge, uh, these, uh, flash boys were, are making a, a ton of money for themselves. And so it's, it's not right. It's wrong. They are, they have an advantage over the average trader just because of their technological prowess. And, uh, and the, the book, it highlights that it's something we've written about. And I believe we've even talked about yes. in the past. And, uh, so it's, something that, for if you were a short-term trader, if you were you know on Wall Street trying to compete with these guys in short-term trading, you, it'd be a problem for you. But if you're a long-term trader, uh, you may not even notice it. And, of course, that's been true over the last five years. These guys have been most active since the crash. They've you know, accounted for more than 50% of trading activity. Uh, and yet, the stock market's up, what, 170% or something from the lows. Uh, if you had invested at the bottom and just held on and never traded a single share, uh, you'd be very happy, even though these flash boys may have been able to take advantage of uh, of somebody else. If you would just bought once, held on, and kept it for the long term, you would have done well. So while it's egregious, while it's a good reading uh, for a long term investor, it's really not going to impact them all that much, unless you're in there trading every day. Uh, if, you know, they can't they can't steal the money from you unless you're trading. So if you're a long term investor and don't trade a whole lot. really not going to be
1: impacted.
2: That's a great point. And I think, you know, and someone like Rusty, who is a professional. Rusty, obviously, this doesn't impact you because you know what the intrinsic value of these companies are. That's kind of your job. So the price is something that you're very aware of. And if the price is distorted, you're not going to buy it. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. That's what we try to do. So it's it's something where, you know, it's an irritant. Uh, It shouldn't happen. It should be outlawed. And the playing field should be leveled. But, uh, and I think that's actually in the process of happening. All of a sudden, because of this book, I would have to say, you know, we've written about it and talked about it in the past, uh, nothing, nothing happened. And I just sit there and marvel at the fact that the SEC uh, would allow this to happen uh, now. And the SEC I'm talking to is the Securities and Exchange Commission, not the athletic league down, right. down
1: there. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, I have to explain that to Art, though. You know, he's a big SEC fan. <laughs> Good point.
0: So they, they're finally getting on the ball as well as a bunch of other oversight and regulatory bodies, and I have a feeling that uh, it's going to be
1: much less of a problem in the yeah, future. Yeah, much less of a uh, one of the things that Keith has informed me, that he did not pay his taxes this year, so uh, uh, <laughs> hey, I, you know, just wanted to let the IRS know. That I you, am following, <laughs> following the letter of the
2: law. I filed my extension in and, and, you know, plenty of time. In plenty of time. There you go. Well, <laughs> it has been that week that at we least several hours to before pay the, the
1: taxes or file the taxes or we filed the extensions. And, you know, it seems to me, as you look at it, uh, that, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do is pay taxes. But uh, how do you feel the U.S. economy is doing? I mean, I, I've read recently that if you look at the, you know, the last we've had about a three point seven percent GDP on average, basically for you know seventy five years. And if you look at that, that's kind of what we expect. Now we haven't had that. I mean, we haven't reached three point seven percent since two thousand four. But yet we seem to be doing okay as an economy. So from the taxes to the economy, your take, what you think?
0: Yeah, you can all, you can feel a bit grumpy about paying taxes. Obviously, that gets people in a bad mood. If you had a if you had to write a check to the government, unfortunately, uh, many people uh, don't. They get money back, so that's nice. I- you know, lift your spirits a little bit. But uh, when money goes into the the government's coffers, uh, obviously it's helping the the income statement and the balance sheet of the government to some degree. Now, more the income statement than the balance sheet at this stage of the game. So the government's actually doing much better. I mentioned earlier that the deficits have been reduced from over 10% of GDP down to less than 3% or on target to go to less than 3% in the coming uh, couple of years. Uh, That's a very positive development. Those kinds of deficits are, are... not ones that are going to disrupt the economy or undermine it in a, uh, you know, any, any really serious fashion. We obviously like to see the, the government be in surplus again, but that rarely happens, as we know. And as long as the economy is growing reasonably fast and we keep the, the, the deficits at small levels, as they are right now, uh, we'll be fine. will. In fact, we may see that the overall debt the U.S. economy has declines as a, as a percent of the GDP. And uh, you know we're seeing it flatlining anyway. So again, a lot of those doomsayers were saying that you know debt's going to go through the moon. we you know they throw out numbers that are not actually true when you look at them more closely. And uh, you know it's it's just not as bad as it looks, and it's looking pretty good. So Uncle Sam, his his situation has improved quite a bit, and that's one of the reasons why the markets have done so well over the last five years. He's gotten his act together, believe it or not, and uh, his you know, you, you get a lot better. I mean, there's lots of room to, there's still fat on this uh, Uncle Sam. He can get to the gym and continue to work out. But uh, even with Barack Obama in office, who is clearly a liberal and wants to spend spend your money rather than give it back to you, uh, even with that, the Tea Party, that gets very little respect uh, in the press, but they have had a very positive influence on the overall uh, budget deficit situation, and that has been brought into line. And so, you know, it's looking pretty good. There's, yeah, There's not there's reason to, to make it look better. Obviously, you and I would love to see things improve even further, but the fact of the matter is we're not at some crisis point
2: right Well, fair. and Rusty, I don't know if I agree with you, because Barack Obama is a liberal. I have heard him say he is not an ideologue, so, you know, he's not an ideologue. He said it, so, you know, he, he can't be that. Oh, here we and go. Before we, you just got him started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get him kicked
2: off here, and I have to reel it in. You know, Before, Rusty, I do want to ask you one question, kind of before we move away from, from the U.S., you know, we've talked an awful lot of, of over the last couple of years about what's going on with the Fed. Obviously, we have a new chair with Janet Yellen. Uh, you know, they're continuing the tapering. Uh, what do you see happening as far as the Fed? Uh, and not just with the tapering, because I think we all kind of expect that to continue for the rest of the year, but as far as unwinding their balance sheet. You know, now they have over $4 trillion on their balance sheet. That's something, a position we've never really been in before. How do you see that potentially affecting us going forward?
0: I think uh, as long as the economy grows at a normal rate, I don't think they're going to touch that. I think they'll just let that, those... Bonds they've purchased mature over the next 30 years, you know, uh, slowly over time, and won't replace them. And so that there will be, you know, very little impact on the economy. Now, if the economy starts growing too quickly, they'll use that as a policy tool. They'll sell some bonds off, raise rates that way, and slow the economy down so it doesn't overheat. So it's basically uh, giving them another tool to use if they want to or if they need to. And uh, I think they're pretty smart, and they've handled the situation pretty well. The Fed you know, comes under a lot of criticism. But had they not done the things – Ben Bernanke hadn't done the things that he, he had done, we'd be in a whole lot worse shape than we are right now. And if they if they can uh, stick the landing, so to speak, and so far they're doing a reasonably good job on that, uh, we should be okay.
1: You know, I think that you say that so, so I think, accurately because it is another tool in their – quiver of tools. It doesn't mean they have to go ahead and raise rates as rapidly as we've seen that steer stepping right. where it just jumps, jumps and jumps. So the reality is we, we're setting with some things to control the economy as we see it begin to grow because that 3.7 number says that we still got a quite a bit of, of a momentum to grow to that number to get to the average. So, I, I you know, I want to listen to a lot more to Rusty. I've got a couple of questions we still haven't got over to overseas, Europe and, and Putin and things. So, When we come back, that's where we'll start and uh, try to get him out of here on a reasonable time.
2: I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money. Uh, Please stick around. We will be right back with Rusty Leonard to talk a little bit about what's going on over in Europe. But right now, let's go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment. Welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn, here with
1: Jim Shoemaker. We're speaking with Rusty Leonard. Trying to get past the music today. I mean, Art's got his weird stuff going on. <laughs> I, mean, what's I don't know, I mean, <laughs> You know, I mean, boom. I mean, it's, I got You know, we may need to talk to him a little bit later, you know, as if we have any control. Right, I, I was going to say, uh, you, you know. <laughs> but it's always to know that he's back there, you know. That's important. <laughs> Rusty, one of the things that I, I feel like that's so important is we, as we think through this Europe has been, I mean, we've talked about this many times on the program with you before. Europe has been in the headlines for at least five years. But it seems to be on the mend. I mean, the crisis that we talked about a couple of years ago seems to be better. But I can't say that, you know, that things have improved. I guess I really would like to get your feel about Europe and China, uh, Japan. Uh, what's, your, what's your take there as far as, you know, the, the developed markets, the, the international side?
0: Yeah, the developed markets, in um, particular Europe, uh, is definitely on the mend. It's, it's kind of like the U.S., a slow growth pattern. They were always slow growth in the first place. Before they even had their troubles, they were growing slowly because of the, the socialistic uh, nature of their, their economy over there. But nevertheless, they are growing, and their banking system's improving. And uh, those are two key developments. They're moving in the right direction. The risk factors from Europe have declined enormously. In China, it's hard to tell. Uh, the, you know, it seems as though things are slowing down quite a bit there, which was really required. They were growing way too fast. And so to a certain extent, the slowdown in China is a good thing. But nevertheless, people still get a little bit out of shape whenever something goes from growing fast to growing slowly. The big question is, will it go from growing slowly into, into a into a recession, and into a financial crisis. It's just really hard to tell because we don't have accurate data coming out of China. But that certainly remains a risk. It's kind of a bubble economy over there. and uh, But at the same time, they probably have the means to control uh, the uh, the potential wreckage that could occur as that economy slows down. We'll we'll have to keep a close eye on that one. And Japan, uh, they've tried all kinds of things uh, to get their act together. I'm pretty dubious as to the uh, the quality of what they're doing in terms of the economic policy that the government's implementing. But uh, nevertheless, it doesn't look like it's going to fall apart tomorrow. Again, though, it's a risk factor. They have much more government debt than we do here in the U.S., about three times as much as a percentage of GDP. And if all of a sudden confidence in their currency starts to wane, Uh, you could have an acceleration of problems in Japan. Uh, In both Japan and China, they're not as integrated from a financial perspective with the rest of the global economy, so it wouldn't uh, necessarily uh, undermine the the rest of the developed world, but uh, it would have an impact for sure. Had problems, but oh. so far so good.
1: So far so good. That's uh, that's pretty good insight there. You know, I know you want to ask the question. I know you're interested in. I know you're you know going to do running for your election or what? office, <laughs> whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I know that's where you're okay, wanting to go. go so. <laughs> I guess it is important. I want to get, get kind of Rusty's in, you know, insight into what he thinks the elections. You going
2: mean to. on the Republican wave election this <laughs> November? That's what you want insight. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I
1: was headed. Rusty, uh, you know, go ahead and, and g- help out, help out my partner here. He's wondering what <laughs> well, you think you, about it.
0: I'll tell you what: if, if the Republicans don't win back the Senate, it's uh, it's their own fault. Uh, they, you know, they have everything lined up for them to be able to take seats. Uh, just the way the the elections are structured, with many more Democrats. Up for re-election, it uh, means that they have a better shot. And then, of course, with uh, the concerns over the president and the Democrats uh, misleading the uh, the country on Obamacare, uh, in particular, uh, there's a lot of frustration about that. I know that there are people. I know people right now who are on Obamacare and who are saying, "Gosh, I can't even go to the doctor. I can't afford to go to the doctor under this new plan." And so, there's going to be just because of the cost and the uh, There's no copays and there's uh, huge deductibles. And so there's a lot of people who are, you know, realize the government sold them the bill of goods. And and whether or not that translates into a Republican victory where they retake the Senate uh, or not, you know, we'll we'll find out. But again, if the Republicans don't retake the Senate, it's on them. They have uh, everything lined up for them. Now, from a financial markets perspective, what does that mean? Not a whole lot, because the president still is going to have the veto power, uh, so they, they'll be able to get things through uh, both sides. If they get, you know, if they win the Senate, Republicans win the Senate, they'll get things through not only the House, but also through the Senate, but then the president will yield the veto. They won't have enough to overcome that. And so really critical legislation that uh, the president, you know, would want to uh, hold up, he'll probably be able to hold that up. And so we'll have a stalemate until we have the presidential election, and that's also, not such a bad thing because stocks tend to do well when there's a stalemate in government.
1: Well, that's a good point. That's a yeah, great point. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, you're right. Uh, if you look at the beginning of the enrollment on the Affordable Care Act when we started, about 14.5 million, I think, since October. Is that correct? 14.5 million. Since the, you know they've been going out and got that's including Medicaid.
2: That's that's total including. Yeah, Medicaid.
1: including Medicaid, and uh, only in 5.2 million have lost insurance.
2: Have lost insurance, and that's incredibly right. important. And speaking of the White House misleading Uh-oh. the American public, okay, Art, right, wake up! <laughs> Here it comes. The president came out with his press conference yesterday. That he was taking the total victory lap. He was touting this: we've signed up eight million people. You know, there's been a lot of concern about the risk pools, and then he came out and said that 35 percent of the people who've signed up are under the age of 35. That would be a really good number, you know, were it true. uh, Because, you know, (laughs) we were looking for an actuarial target of around 40% of young people. What he didn't tell you was he wasn't looking at the actual true demographic, which was 18 to 34 year olds. And amongst that demographic, the thought is it's about 28%, which is. Far, far short of the 40. Now, a lot of times we don't think percentages are that big, but for something like this to have that big of a gap is a huge deal for the insurance companies. Uh, uh, and the president I, I, was flat out misleading when he said that.
0: I knew we would get him started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, was, unfortunately, there's just tremendous. Amounts of misleading information coming really from both sides on this matter, but certainly uh, egregiously from the presidential yeah. president side. Of the you know, that is
1: frustrating. And when you when you do have information that you can't really. Because I think that's what a leader does. If you yeah. want the American people behind it, be honest with them and sell it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's your job. Yeah. yeah. Well, as always, Rusty Leonard has been a great guest. Great for guest, us. and uh, Rusty, you do a wonderful job. But right. I don't want to let Rusty go before we ask
2: you one more thing. All right, okay, go ahead, Rusty. Talk to <laughs> us about what's going on in the Ukraine. I'm not in charge. Can you tell
1: know Can you tell? <laughs> Absolutely not in charge. Go ahead. Well, this is, and you know this. Well, is – Well, you uh, know what? We I've made, I failed. That's my mistake. I failed at you. Get you get it, man. Go ahead. It, well, it, and
2: Rusty, again, <laughs> we want to we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Europe. You know, we saw uh, they signed an agreement yesterday between the uh, the uh, Soviet foreign minister, the uh, Ukraine. Ukrainian foreign minister, Secretary Kerry, uh, a lady from the EU. What's going on in the Ukraine? What's going to happen? Uh, is it going to affect the markets?
0: Uh, I would say that there are lots of things going on in the Ukraine. It's uh, disturbing, as we all know. Uh, the you know the way it looks like 1930s again with uh, you know Hitler and, and some of that that those aspects of it are highly highly disturbing. Uh, I don't think it will affect the markets a whole lot uh, other than on a short-term basis. Even if even if he goes and takes on uh, all of the Ukraine and decides, if Putin decides to take over the rest of the Ukraine, uh, that would be very disturbing and would cause a lot of uh, news coverage and the markets would react in the short term. But in the long term, there's no impact on the global economy from the Ukraine. I think its economy is smaller than Peru's. It's just not a big deal.
2: Well, Great perspective, uh, but, but uh, I think you know it's imminent that Putin rolls, uh, rolls across the border. I, I just think that it's it's hard for him to stop where he is because he needs the Eastern Ukraine from he, a, a strategic from a standpoint. Strategic I think standpoint he does to resupply uh, Crimea.
1: Well, there's so and much sending, going on, and he's sending every every indication that he's going That's to do that. Exactly Absolutely, right. yeah. It's not he's he's playing his cards pretty bluntly, and so he's okay.
2: playing John Kerry, yeah. which is you know if, <laughs> if it wasn't it so tragic, it would be on. funny. You're right. yeah.
1: Well, as always, Rusty Leonard, uh, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, uh, and, a, and a great person, a great you know friend of ours, has always done a good job for us and gives us great insight. I hope our listeners see the value of what he does. And I think they do. I, you know, I know we get a lot of comments when Rusty's on the program that yes. they come back to us and say, hey, he explained something I didn't understand it. What he does is he cleans up a whole lot of what we heard on the media yesterday. So yes. everything from the crisis that's going to occur – to Flash Boys, and I think that's a, it's a you know, you could read that Flash Boys, you could really think that's a different type of book. <laughs> now that I, think about it. <laughs> I had not thought of that, I, I will, I'll admit. I'm that sorry. had not crossed my it mind. It just went through my mind. <laughs> I don't I believe I've admitted is... that on the radio, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: forget this is radio. Wow.
1: Alright, guys. Here's oh my goodness. Happy my Easter, Rusty. Have a great weekend. And thank man.
2: You. Have a great Easter, Rusty. Okay. You, too. Thank okay, you. Guys.
1: Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Well, you know, what can I say? I mean, uh, it's live radio. I mean, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need to control uh, that, I guess. Work a little, a little bit, bit on that filter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I really can't believe I said that. <laughs>
2: Oh my
1: goodness! What a day! What a day! It's going to be a great day. It's already starting out to be a great day. Hey, you know, it's Friday. It's Friday, and Sunday's coming. <laughs> amen and amen. You know, one of the things that we did, we had a question, and this was a serious question because the person was saying, "I'm you know retiring," and and I understood this when they said, "And I got my house payment," and the question was, and then again, anybody wants to ask us a question seriously. Just go to at shoemakerfinancial.com and we'll do the best we can to get it on the air as you send it to us, or the next day we'll get back to you. But we'll definitely, if it meets, kind of goes through our process, we'll try to get our best to, to help people understand that we'll answer your questions. But this was a question. Because the person said, I've got a, my house, I've got about $150,000 left on my house. They had a certain amount of money that they had for retirement in their IRA and their 401K. Right. And they had a defined benefit plan, and they were concerned about paying their house off. And so we a legitimate through, question. Yeah, it was a great question. They said, Should we pay the right. house off? They were in their late 60s right. and, and going to retire. I mean, I'm talking about no more work. And uh, should they pay their house off? So we went through the process, and I think it's important for our listeners to get this. The process was not just a quick yes or no. The process was if you've got a debt, can you pay the debt? And they were paying the debt. So what they what we asked them to do in this whole process was to look at their income that they could honestly project. Not so their post-retirement income. The post-retirement income. What was going to be their inflow. Right. And so then we looked at the outflow. And the outflow needed to be, you know, just what does it cost for you to live? Your food, your clothing, your cable bill, your phone bill. Your, your insurance. Insurance cost. I mean, you know, what all those major things that you kind of take for granted – but they are a part of the planning process. So we asked them to give us that total. What's your inflow and what's your outflow? And we took the debt and then said, okay, two things that you can do with this. You can take the debt and break it down and say, I'm going to pay this for another five to 10 years. They actually owned about eight more years on it. So the reality was that uh we would do that and uh and we'd do that so from that standpoint so when we get through with this break i'll come back and tell you exactly how we walk through this okay
2: that sounds great we're here every friday morning from 8 to 9 here on am 990 the voice of memphis stick around and we will be right back
1: Welcome back to Talk Money. I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding earlier. By the way, the question was and I want to get to that cuz we don't have a lot of time left. The question was, should I pay my house should off? You pay your house I'm off. now getting ready to retire. We went through the inflow, how much right. money's coming in, all the income that they had coming in, and then the outflow. In this particular case, the debt, part of the outflow, if we paid it off, we had to take money out of their money that was creating their income. And it really was almost a push pull. They really had to make the decision. The key in this question as we went through this was, what was their current mortgage rate? And I have to admit, it was at three and a three-quarter percent rate.
2: That is great. (laughs) Great rate.
1: And uh, so we actually decided that they would continue to pay the mortgage for the next five years, but we would evaluate that every year.
2: And that is an individual evaluation for every client. Absolutely. Every situation will absolutely. be different. Absolutely, And
1: you can't just make that right. as a blanket statement. Obviously, in this case, they felt they could do it that way. There's been other people that asked that question, and we've said, oh, let's absolutely pay the ass off. But when you say it that way, it is an individual decision, and right. it's an emotional decision, and it's about whether or not – how do you feel about it? Just make the decision based on what says it in the heart.
2: I think that's great advice.
1: You know, one of the things we have to say, and we want to make sure that everybody understands that the views and opinions that Rusty expressed and his thoughts are not something that we always agree with, and right. we always feel like that what he's saying is not, pre- you know, not presented on behalf of us, Shoemaker Financial, or Securia and our broker-dealer. You know, we're a part of a group, and we have to be careful what we say, but we Rusty do. is a valued, valued uh, contributor to the program We appreciate what he says, but we're not affiliated with Rusty. He's not a part of us, and we're not a part of him. Yeah, we don't control what Rusty says. No, and so I just want everybody to know that we thoroughly enjoy him being on the program. But don't always take everything that's said. Past performance is never an indicative thing of the future. So. Well, I
2: would just caution anyone to take, uh, you know, to really come up with an investment strategy based on things we talk about. You know, you really need to sit down with a professional. You need to figure out your time horizon, your tolerance for risk, all the things we talk about. All the things uh, we talk about. When you look at how and, to set up your investment. just
1: make sure that you're, you're not just jumping on what the media says. Yeah, that's back to the seven adv- deadly sins. Exactly. right? Exactly. You seek advice and you spend the time, the energy, and the effort that you need to. And, and I hope that everybody understands that's critical for, for what we do. And uh, good, wise counsel, that's a biblical perspective. It, it
2: is. And from planning, you know, always, if you do the work on the front end, that means it gives you peace of mind on the back end, and that's what we're trying to accomplish.
1: Well, you know, I want to tell you this. Man, it's been a great day today. I I've enjoyed do this. I want you to have a great Easter.
2: I want you to do the same. I know
1: you got some people coming in. That you're going. To I do.
2: On. One of my best friends is coming into town. We're going to hang out a little bit. Well, that's that's uh,
1: yeah. great. You have a good Easter. Tell your mom and dad to say hi.
2: I will certainly do that. Thank you. We've had a great show today. I want to thank Rusty Leonard, the CEO of Stewardship Partners, for all of his insights and advice. Uh, Art Frederick, our program director. Francis Fortner, who is our guest coordinator. Jeff Long, our compliance officer. Drew Johnson, who does such a great job writing our Mid-South History Moments. Rebecca, who does a great job reading them. I'm Keith Quinn. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Join us next week. We'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Incorporated, Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.